Good morning, everybody. Um, what a great weekend and happy Easter to you all. It's exciting to be able to baptize people. We love baptizing people. So well done, Callum and Rob, this morning. Um, it's especially great at baptizing people on Easter Sunday because we get to celebrate what Jesus has done. We get to celebrate the resurrection, but then also to see the real impact in everyday, ordinary people's lives as well. And that's what we're celebrating as we baptize these guys this morning. So exciting days. And to be able to focus on what Easter is really all about. As uh, many of you will have read in the um, Gateway's April e-news, as it wisely said, of course, there's always lots of chocolate, Easter egg hunts, and adults dressed as bunnies at this time of year. But let's keep our focus on Jesus. Amen. So we're going to read the story as it is recorded by uh, Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, uh, at the end of his book that he wrote. Uh, so we're going to read from Matthew 28. Here we go. This is the story. Jesus has been crucified a couple of days before. He's died. He's been buried in a tomb. And this is what happens on the Sabbath. This is Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he is risen. Just as he said, Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee where they will see me. While the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. When the chief priests had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, you are to say his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So that's what happens. Jesus is risen. He appears to his disciples. This morning, I just want to spend a few minutes explaining why we might want to celebrate Easter and then why we're going to baptize Rob and Callum in a minute. What is that all about? And then we'll just quickly apply it to ourselves at the end. Okay, so why celebrate Easter? As we've just read, he has risen from the dead. Jesus is alive. Amen? This is the pivotal event in world history. 
It's the pivotal event around which the whole of the history of the world revolves. And, you know, I think that we have a funny way sometimes of looking at history, don't we? Because we see everything from our perspective in our moment in time, in the place where we live. And we see, uh, especially in, this, uh, in the days that we live with media that, that brings us stories from around the world so quickly. And we feel like maybe the, the, uh, lots of things are shifting in the UK with everything that's going on in government and parliament right now. And then we see pictures like Notre Dame this week, uh, which seems spectacular. And, uh, and history seems to be changing. But we realize that in a few years' time, those things will just be footnotes in a history book. And actually, as we look back over the whole span of history, what we're celebrating today is that there is one pivotal event around which everything revolves, that changes everything for the whole of history, and that is Jesus' death and resurrection. If what we have just read is true, and if we take at face value the words that Jesus said about himself, then it affects everything for the whole of time. And each of us needs to examine the evidence as it's documented in the Bible, the historical evidence for what happened, and come each of us to our own conclusion as to what happened. Rob Tiley was explaining in our sermon series a couple of weeks ago why there is good reason to believe the evidence of the Bible that Jesus indeed historically died and rose again. And you can go and hear that message online if you want to. But why is this so important? Well, picking up our current preaching series, we've been looking at Paul's letter to the Corinthians, and I just want to read a couple of verses from that, where Paul says this, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. So Christ has been raised from the dead, and he's the prototype, if you like, of all those who put their faith in him and will indeed rise to new life and live for eternity with him. But Paul is at pains to stress that if Christ hasn't been raised, if he didn't rise from the dead, then all of this that we're celebrating, all of the Christian faith, all that we go about as Christians, all of it is futile. It's a waste of time. He says, of all people, we're the most to be pitied. But Christ has risen from the dead. But why would that be the case? Well, Paul says that if Christ hasn't risen from the dead, then we are still in our sins. And what does he mean, we're still in our sins? Well, the Bible makes clear that we, each of us, are created for relationship with God. That we're incredible beings made a little bit like God for relationship with him, to worship him, to enjoy him, to live with him forever. But we didn't like the idea of being subject to God. We didn't like the idea of having him in charge of our lives, if you like. In fact, we wanted to kind of be little gods ourselves. We wanted to dictate how our lives worked. We wanted to be in charge and do our own thing. And the Bible calls that rebellion against God sin. The consequence of sin, the Bible says, is separation from God, the source of everything good, separation from him ultimately forever. And there's only one way ultimately to deal with this separation from God. There's only one way to deal with the consequences of our sin, of our going against God's ways. And that is 
the thing that we've just read about. That is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the only way to deal with the dead end that we find ourselves, literally dead end that we find ourselves in without Jesus. The death and, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God who became a man to die in our place, to take the punishment, the death that should have been ours, to pay the price for our sin, that's the only way to deal with this problem of sin. This problem of our going our own way and against God. So the fact that Jesus died and rose again is the only way out of this problem. It's the only way to life forever. It's the only way to live with God as was originally intended to enjoy that relationship forever. And that is what is worth celebrating this morning. Amen? But why would you get baptized? Why are Rob and Callum going to be dunked in this water here this morning? What has that got to do with Easter? Well, in the passage that we just read, Jesus, when he meets with his disciples, he gives this instruction, doesn't he? He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus' resurrection is not just an incredible event at the center of history. There's lots of there's lots of incredible events in history. We live in an amazing world. There's lots of events that we can't really get our heads around. Another picture that I don't know if you saw this week. Was it this week? The, the black hole that, that we got the photos of for the first time from Galaxy M87, I think it was. Uh, why can't somebody come up with better names for these things? But anyway, what, uh, there's things in this universe and in history that we can't get our heads around at all. That... I'm fascinated by this. 55 million light years away, the thing that we saw pictured. How do you get your head around that? And it took eight telescopes on mountains around the world. And we're just beginning to scrape the surface of bits of the universe that we haven't even discovered. And by the way, the Bible says that Jesus not only created, but sustains all of that as well right now. But the, back to where we were, Jesus' resurrection is not just an amazing uh, event in history, actually the Bible makes it clear that it has relevance to every one of us, that we each have to decide how we're going to relate to it, that we each have to make a response to what Jesus did on the cross and by rising again. We can go our own way or we can be part of God's great rescue plan in Jesus Christ. And the guys who are getting baptized today and each person here who's put their faith in Jesus Christ and decided to follow him has said, yeah, I want in on this rescue plan. Actually, I am going to give my life back into, uh, into submission to the one who created me and who has uh, provided this amazing way of rescuing me back into life again. You see, when we decide that we're going to follow Jesus, to put him in charge of our lives again, the Bible says that effectively life starts again at that point. Our old life with us in charge comes to an end. And a new life with Jesus on the throne of our life, at the steering wheel, whatever picture you want to use, with Jesus in charge starts from that point onwards. And that affects everything in life. And so baptism is a picture of that fresh start in life. So the guys who are getting baptized today, they're saying, I wanna, I've decided that I'm going to buy in, if you like, to God's rescue plan. That I'm going to give my life back into his hands. That my old life has ended right here. And getting baptized is a picture of our old life coming to an end. So as someone gets baptized and we put them under the water, their old life comes to an end. That's the picture of what's going on. And as we pull them back up again out of the water, 
It's a picture of a new life beginning in Christ where everything changes because he is in charge from that point onwards. Not only that, but he cleanses us from our sin, from everything that we've ever done wrong, our rebellion against God. And so if you like, it's, it's also a picture of being washed clean and we start again in our relationship with God. So we're going to do that with these guys. They've decided they want to follow Jesus, that they want to make this public declaration. And that's why Jesus said that as this message goes out uh, around the world, that each person must decide how they're going to respond to the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this pivotal event in world history. Uh, He said to his disciples, you've got to spread this message. It's got to go out. And every person must decide how they're going to respond. And as people respond, as people say, yeah, I want to put my life back in God's hands. I want to submit it to him again. And I want him to be in charge. Then I want you to baptize them, Jesus said, as a symbol, as a picture of what's going on. That life for them has begun again. And that's what we're doing with Rob and Callum this morning. Life has begun again. And Jesus said, I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded, didn't he? And so after we've baptized them this morning, we're going to pray for these guys that they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit because we don't have the ability within ourselves to follow everything that Jesus said. But by the power of the Spirit, we begin to be changed and to follow in his ways. And so we'll pray for them this morning that they will be filled with the Spirit in order to enable them to live this new life with Jesus in charge. So we're going to baptize them in just a second. I just want to uh, come to one thing that I feel like uh, came up in the prayer meeting as we pray before the meeting. We say, God, what do you want to do with us uh, as we gather this morning? What is it that you want to say? We believe that Jesus is alive. We believe that he's here by his spirit and actually that he speaks to us and wants to interact with us, wants to grab hold of our attention as we gather. Um, And I want to just read to you um, a short passage from uh, a letter in the Bible uh, from the from Peter, the Apostle Peter, where he says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So that's what we're celebrating today. New birth into a living hope and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. So we have an inheritance, the Bible says, promise of life, Forever, if we put our lives in Jesus' hands, promise of life forever with him, an inheritance that cannot uh, spoil or fade or perish. With resurrection bodies indeed, and more of that, if you want to hear about that and what heaven might be like, then Colin we're gonna, is going to explain that to us next Sunday. So come back next week for that, for, the, for more on the inheritance. Uh, but Peter says, this inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power, until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And although we are celebrating this morning and we're saying Christ is risen and that gives us incredible hope, we're not saying that there isn't any trouble in life. And we are aware... Just living in this world, the mess that it's in, which, by the way, the Bible says is the result of sin in all sorts of different ways, not directly sometimes, lots of indirectly. The world is a broken place, and we suffer, Peter says, all kinds of trials. But listen to what Jesus said in the passage that that we read earlier from Matthew. He says, but I will be with you even to the end of the age. So the promise, if you're going through trials this morning, 
The promise, if life is a struggle, is that because Jesus is alive, even though we haven't yet inherited uh, the new life in all of its fullness, as we will in heaven, the promise is that Jesus is with us in the midst of the trials, that he has suffered, that he knows what that is like. The one who sustains the whole universe with black holes that are 55 million years, billion, whatever, light years away. The one who sustains all of that and created it. He says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'm with you right now as we face struggles of all different types. And I want to say to you this morning, Jesus understands. He's the one who loved us enough to go to the cross that we might be able to inherit life eternal with him. But he's with us now while we wait for that, in the struggle, the ups and downs. He's here by his spirit, and we can pray, and we can ask him to come into our lives as we struggle. We need him. I don't know about you, I need him. And so we'd love to pray for you, anybody this morning. Uh, By the way, the other thing that it says in that passage, uh, as Jesus, even as Jesus appeared in his resurrection body to those after he rose again, there were some who doubted, and that's okay. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to ask questions. But this is very, very important. And if you've got questions, ask the questions. If you need prayer, ask for prayer. But we all need to work out how we respond to this pivotal event at the center of all of history. God's made it very clear to us. He's recorded it for us in the Bible so that we can know, so that we can respond. And his message to the disciples was, this must go out. Every one of us has a part to play in this message going out to the ends of the earth. And those of us who haven't yet responded need to work out how we're going to respond to that message. So I'd love to invite you to pray this morning, to say, God, if you're there, you might have doubts, you might have questions, but God, if you're there, reveal yourself to me. Even as we're celebrating new life in Christ, even as we're celebrating with Rob and Callum this morning that they have put their hope in Jesus Christ and they now have this new life in him. Let's work out also how we respond individually to this.